Ladies and gents, we're back with our final bonus episode from the Smiths. This one is with Mark Branch, head coach of Wyoming. But back in 1993-94, he was a redshirt freshman and won a national title, entering the national tournament with a losing record. This was just an awesome conversation, and I wanted to include it. And this will be the last episode dropping with relation to the Smith documentary, Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. It's been an incredible ride this past week. It's done far better than anyone could have possibly imagined. So thank you all so much. We'll be back on Wednesday with episode 211. Peace! Iconic wrestling coach Dan Gable once said, Pain is nothing compared to what it feels like to quit. Give everything you've got today, for tomorrow may never come. Gable could be describing those whose achievements have earned them the honor of being inducted into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. Etched in Stone, the stories of wrestling's legends will take you inside the lives of over 200 of the greatest wrestlers in history as they share their never-before-told stories about their trials, tribulations, and triumphs. Competitors, coaches, teammates, and those who knew these athletes best will also weigh in on their accomplishments with their own unique perspectives. Mark Branch, let's start at the very beginning, sir, uh, of your Oklahoma State journey. When you arrived on campus, what was the mood with John winning the Olympics, but also kind of having the investigation looming overhead? Yeah, it was um, it, it was awkward. It was really strange. I remember the first day that I went up to the wrestling office when I arrived on campus. Um, I went up to the wrestling office and, and actually passed Joe Say on his way out literally carrying a box and um john was at the olympics so i'm trying to remember you know i I can't remember if it was a week or so um before um he got back and and kind of um everything started to kind of go into motion as far as the the beginning of his era and and yeah i mean it was obviously the big topic was what is the ncaa going to um you know, going, what, what are they going to hand down here? Because the investigation had been wrapped up um, when I got to campus. So I, I wasn't part of any of that. Um, but obviously uh, it was on everybody's mind and, and um, you know, John addressed it a lot uh, until it was, until it was handed down. And then it was, it was, um, you know, a little bit like a death sentence. I mean, it was really close. Uh, the pretty much, <laughs> it, it was as close as you can get to to a death sentence without without actually getting it. So it was pretty pretty um, gloomy. And were were you recruited by Joe or by John? <laughs> I kind of fell in between. I I couldn't tell you exactly. Um, you know, John wasn't really doing much recruiting. I mean, he's getting ready for um, the '92 Olympics. So I went in the spring um, of of '92 and. Um, John was, you know, John was, was kind of, um, I would say he was definitely in charge during my, during my official visit. Um, but there was, you know, I'd received a a few letters from Oklahoma state when Joe was, was in charge, but nothing personal, um, no phone calls, no, no really contact beyond a letter or two. And it was probably just a form letter or whatever they sent out to to all the Oklahoma kids, but, um, you know, I, I was recruited, um, uh, quite a bit by OU 
And then all of a sudden I got a, uh, I got a call and I, you know, to be honest, I couldn't tell you exactly who it was. It may have been Woody Woodburn. It's, I, and I don't even know if they were on staff. I don't, I don't know who the, if there was really a staff, but just said, you know, you want to come down this weekend for a visit. And so I jumped in my car and drove down to Stillwater and, you know, committed uh, by the end of the weekend. And for someone growing up in Oklahoma, what's it mean to, to commit and then show up Doki State on day one? Um, you know, it was a dream come true, um, you know, and, and not only growing up in Oklahoma, but I, I grew up exclusively an Oklahoma State fan. Uh, my dad played for, for uh, Henry Iba, played basketball for, for Henry Iba at Oklahoma State. My mom went to Oklahoma State, um, you know, so I, I, I was born into it. Um, but then with the wrestling tradition and history, um, you know, I went to wrestling camps down, down in Stillwater and, and idolized those guys. Um, so it was, it was, um, it was a dream come true that, that, you know, to be honest, until that phone call that said, you want to come up tomorrow until that phone call, I had, I had, I had come to grips with, with the fact that I was not going to have a chance to go to Oklahoma state. Um, my family had, I mean, we, we literally had those conversations to go, man, that stinks. That was, that would have been the coolest, you know, because growing up, that was, um, that was, you know, everything I wanted. Um, that was the end point, right? Like if mm -hmm. I can just go to Oklahoma state, that's, that's everything. So, um, in reality kind of started to creep in, you're like, wow, that's, uh, that's actually far-fetched. And I didn't realize it until kind of that, that moment that I wasn't that highly touted. I wasn't on anybody's radar. I was very, um, you know, I was very much not, not going to get recruited by Oklahoma State. And to be honest, if it wasn't for the NCAA investigation, I have no doubt in my mind that, that I wouldn't have been at Oklahoma State if it wasn't for the investigation because it definitely scared off the best kids. And, and I would say Tommy Chesbro and Myron Roderick were, were guys that knew who I was. But to be honest, John didn't probably know who I was at all, um, except maybe Tommy Chesbro going, hey, you should look at this, you know, this – tall gangly kid from from Newkirk so um you know I, I definitely uh I, I think I definitely was uh, a benefactor of the NCA investigation which is weird but but reality it, it's crazy to say that and at that time how big was John Smith in the world of wrestling when you were coming up through high school yeah I mean he was he was at that um kind of that I, I guess you would say that untouchable level meaning um, you know, John, John was so big that when you go to camps, you, you didn't really ever get to say hi or talk to him or shake his hand. I mean, it was, it was like in and out celebrity status, right? You come in, show a low single leg and then walk out and, <laughs> and kids were like, you know, ah, I want your autograph. Nope. You know, it was, it was all business. Um, you know, and so it, that was kind of weird because, uh, you know, like I said, I grew up idolizing all those guys and, and guys like Kendall Cross and Kenny Monday, you know, they were still like, you know, they'd teach a session and then hang around and talk to the kids. And John was gone, you know, swept off into his limo. Not really, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was kind of like, you know what I mean? He had become that, uh, at that, that huge level. So it was such a weird, um, I tell you what, my recruiting trip was surreal. It was just like, it was like, um, man, this is, this is like, I'm on the inside um of of this family you know and and uh I got to spend a little bit of time with Pat on my trip 
um, on my recruiting trip, which was, which was kind of funny. Um, a, a little bit of a funny story, but the funny thing is like, I, I thought at the end of that week, I'm like, I'm in to the OSU wrestling family. I'm on the inside. Um, and I, you know, especially with the Smiths. And then when I realized I, I got to, um, Stillwater and Pat had no who, idea who I was. And I'm like, but we hung out. We were like buddies, you know, <laughs> uh, he had no idea my name, anything, you know, nothing. And it was just crushing. And they're like, man, I, I was living this dream where I thought I was, uh, I, I was within the Royal court here <laughs> and I'm not. So I'm just, a, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a surf here. So it was, it was, uh, definitely pretty cool and interesting. And knowing, looking back now, knowing that John was getting ready for Fisher and he was going through all the internal battles he was, I mean, he was probably in like another dimension on that recruiting trip, you know, just not even, not even present as a coach. Cause he said he was barely present that year at all. Cause it was him coaching with Kenny, but also training and wrestling. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I mean, you know, and that's where John uh, has that special ability. I mean, he, he, he definitely, you know, he was in a different world, but at the same time, you know, when it was, when it was time with him, whether, whether it would be a dinner, um, you know, and, and to be honest, he wasn't involved in every part of the, of the recruiting visit, but when he was there, he was there, you know, he was engaged. He was, he was right here, you know, talking to you. And, and, um, you know, when, when we met at the end of my trip, it, it was, um, it was pretty easy for him to, to, um, hook me in. And, and so he definitely hadn't checked out when it came to, you know, Hey, I, I do have, I do have some business to take care of, you know, and yet it, it's, you're right. I mean, it's like, who knows what was going on in that competitive, um, world of his, because, you know, at that point there was no doubt that the pressure was mounting on him. Um, you know, and, and looking back at, at seeing him retire, you know, I think a lot of it was just, man, it's time. Um, and, and, and I think it, it was like stacked up on him. I mean, I, I think I remember hearing stories about him just like losing his hair and, you know, I, I imagine the stress level was, was unbelievable for him, but, and the stress, and that was the stress he was putting on himself, I'm sure, um, as much as anything. But then also amplified by the whole investigation and by C, C being on the way out because, you know, Oklahoma State, people forget, in 1990, they won their second in a row. In 91, Iowa had a super team. But, you know, assuming that everything would have stayed in place, OSU would have been battling for team titles. And not that you guys weren't. You were in 94. But before that, there was a couple of rough years. And after that, didn't get back on top for a while. But you know damn well if C wouldn't have gotten all that trouble, the program got in that trouble, John would have stayed competing. He would have cruised through 92 because 92 was only close because he had so much going on in his life. Um, and so you get there, uh, fall of 92. How publicized was Pat's chase for four titles at that point? Yeah, you know, I mean, it was, it was obviously um, a, a huge thing, but when the, when the um, sanctions came down, you know, that obviously derailed everything. And, and, um, you know, thankfully he had that red shirt year. Uh, but yes, at that moment, the big talk was, how's he going to get to four? Is it going to be at Oklahoma state, you know, um, or is he going to go to Arizona state and, and be with Leroy? Uh, you know, so there was, 
there was a lot in, in me being an incoming freshman. I just, I, you know, I didn't ask questions. I didn't, I, you know, I wasn't elbowing the older guys going, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think's going on? I mean, I was just really just sitting in the corner observing, had no idea what was going to go on. Didn't know the dynamics of, of, of different situations. Um, you know, obviously heard about some of the guys that had already left. Um, and, and so it was, it was a lot of, there were a lot of unknowns and Pat being one of those, you know, and then, um, you know, really it, it got settled pretty quick from, from my perspective, I guess, but it, it got settled pretty quick that, that basically Pat was going to stay in red shirt. Everybody that had a red shirt would take the red shirt. Um, and, uh, you know, Alan Freed was the big key there that, that, that just burned a year. Um, and, and so, you know, it was pretty crazy. It was a really weird year. It was a year in which, uh, when we actually got into that season, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I know everybody that has a red shirt, red shirt, but this is maybe my only chance to ever step out and start for Oklahoma state because our team was so watered down. Um, we were, we were pulling kids off campus to put in the lineup. Um, and, and I saw, I'm like, Hey, I could actually, I could actually wrestle, uh, you know, and I could get a letter jacket. I mean, in my mind, I'm like, this is my shot. <laughs> and John <laughs> weighed me in for a duel, which was funny. I, and didn't, didn't have any conversation with me, just told me I was weighing in. Um, and I weighed in and suited up and my family came, of course they came to all the matches, but they came and I, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, you're coming to watch the match, but I'm in, I'm, I'm suited up. And, and they were like, what's that mean? Are you going to wrestle? Are you burning your red shirt here? And I'm like, you know, in a lot of ways I, I wanted that, you know, I'm like, that would be okay. I, I, I would be okay with that because I'll, I'll get my chance to wrestle for Oklahoma state. And I may not ever see that chance again. So for people who don't realize they look at you now, they say NCAA champ, you know, head coach, You've been an assistant coach at Oklahoma State, won a ton of national titles. But to your point, when you came in, you weren't super highly recruited. So you're thinking, shit, this may be my only shot. Buddy. And how did that team do that year, John's first year, 92-93? Yeah, it was obviously the the worst, the worst team in the history, right? Um, and you know, I, I think they won maybe three dual meets. Um, you know, and and they honestly uh they were pulling kids off, off of campus. I know um, maybe a few, but I remember there was a <coughs> um, 118 pounder that, that they, uh, that, that won the, the intramural um, tournament on campus that they pulled into the room and he was in the lineup. Uh, it was that kind of a year, you know, it was all hands on deck. Um, how they won three duels or whatever. I, I don't, I think it was three or four duels, but it was, it was bad. It was tough, you know? Um, but, but you also saw the star power and I'm not talking about myself. Cause I, I hadn't, you know, I wasn't again, I, it, I, I wasn't um, on the scene until I was on the scene. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't even creep on the scene. It was just kind of an overnight deal, but you, you had Pat, you had Alan, you had Nick Perler, um, you know, and those were those, those three real basic guys that, that you knew were going to be there at the top. And then you had JJ McGrew who had, um, um, transferred in, you know, and, and he had kind of, uh, I would say somewhat proven himself already. Um, you know, we, we knew he was going to come in and make an immediate impact. 
but then there were the the pieces, I guess, of that puzzle that kind of um, were still waiting. But you knew in that room, you're like, man, there's some there's some studs, and, and just Pat, Pat and Allen themselves. Mm-hmm. I, I think when you have that level, um, I mean, you 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 talk about having a lot of hope just in those two guys alone to go, man, these two guys are shoe-ins to go win national titles. So we have something to build around, you know? And so we, nobody was panicking. It was just like, let's just get through this year um, and be done with it and, and get ready to, to be back on top. I, and, and not, you know, I would, I would definitely say the mood was we're going to take basically an embarrassing year and we're going to turn around next year and be in the mix. And, and I would even say a lot of, a lot of confidence to, to be in the mix at the highest level. Meaning I'm not going to say that we were sitting there going, we're for sure going to win it. But we knew, I think in that room that we were going to be a team to contend with that we could go, you know, win win the NCAA title. And when you guys went into that next season, one of the first big duels of the year was Penn state. Did you travel to that one? (laughs) I did. Um, It was such a, uh, I, I traveled because it was not only the duel with Penn State, but there was also the Lock Haven Open, and it was on Thanksgiving um, weekend. And so I traveled to <clears throat> wrestle in the Lock Haven Open, um, and John got me an exhibition match uh, against Penn State. So here we go. It's, you know, my first, pr- probably my second time to fly in an airplane you know, um, in my life. Right. And now I'm traveling with, with the, the Oklahoma state team. We go to Penn state. Um, we, you know, John, I don't know ahead of time, really. John just says, Hey, they have an extra guy. He was a 77 pounder. He's like, you know, he's 77 pounder, but we can get you a match. So we're going to do it before the duel. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, Oh man, this is like, whoo, all of a sudden it was like, wow, this is crazy. I'm actually going to wrestle. And so we, you know, we go through warm up and everything. And then the team goes back into the locker room and I stay out on the bench with Mark Perry. And it's, you know, I don't know what to expect, but rec hall, they turn all the lights off. They have the spotlight on the mat. I'm like, well, we really didn't need to do this for me. <laughs> I'm like I'm completely intimidated. Cause I'm like, this is, this is beyond like, really we could have just done this in the wrestling room like we did the fans are there it was packed um i remember my my cousin she was a um she was getting her doctorate at penn state and and so she actually came to the duel so i had family there which was crazy she was from texas but was up there um going to grad school and so um i did have a cheering person (laughs) (laughs) so it was kind of funny, but yeah, I walked out, I, I wrestled, I ended up winning the match um, and no, not a single soul on the bench except for Mark Perry. And then me and Mark go back in the locker room and, you know, the door opens and they go, how'd you do? And I'm like, I won. And they're like, all right. You know, they're like, oh, we're going to go out. You know, I'm like, but you guys weren't even there. <laughs> like, Wait a minute. You guys are rallying around the, you know, an exhibition match that nobody watched and nobody knew what was going on. So yeah, it was, it was a little, that was humbling. Um, and then, yeah, a huge duel, you know, and a great way to really establish ourselves right at the beginning of the year as, as you know, a team to beat. Right. So it was, it was, um, it was intense. It was a cool experience. 
That is cool. I had no, I've never even heard of a college duel throwing a match out there ahead of time. Maybe at like the middle school level or high school, right? Not at rec hall on a Friday night. <laughs> yeah. It was a weird deal with what I think at the time we were two and three, right? So yeah. Yeah. A duel of two and three and, and we're, Oh, we're going to throw an exhibition match out. So um, it was awesome. And then John, uh, you know, John treated us um, by taking us to pretty much like a homeless shelter on Thanksgiving. We got, he fed us for 50 cents a meal. Um, he took the whole team and it was, uh, it was this, it, it was, yeah, it was 50 cents for Thanksgiving meal. That's what we ate <laughs> <laughs> on Thanksgiving. Uh, during so, the trip, you guys were out there. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were on the trip on, on Thanksgiving. And I, I couldn't tell you like was the dual Friday and the tournament Saturday but, uh, you know, uh, obviously Thursday, we were out there Thursday on Thanksgiving Day. And that's that's where, you know, that was my first big time experience of let's go to a soup kitchen. And John, John ponied up 50 cents a person to feed us <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh the big God. time. Finally, <laughs> that's so typical of everything I've heard about John, though, in terms of he's very tight with the dollar. Um, oh, man. <laughs> with us. It was, it was rough. By the time I graduated, we were getting $6 uh, per diem for a meal by the time I'd, I'd become a senior. Um, and I remember that because we got into a, we got into a little bit of a, of a di dispute around the all-star match. And, and um, John said, well, I'm not going to give you your $6. That's what we got for, for per diem. <laughs> And he's like, I'm not going to give you six, your $6. And I said, well, fine. I won't give you your six points then. <laughs> <laughs> so I do. That's how I remember that is, uh, yeah, we had went from 50 cent um, soup kitchen meals to $6. You can go to Subway and almost get a, a meal deal out of the, out big, of the thing. Big so, time then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so when was your first time where John came to you and said, you're going to be our starter? <laughs> well, <clears throat> um, so, you know, not, not like the, not the final determination, but the first time you got a chance to get in the lineup that year. Yeah. You know, when we, so, so the lock Haven open was um, before that we had wrestled in the St. Louis open, which was a huge tournament and I didn't place. Um, and I had two guys, which was um, um, Willie Thompson and George Parker were the two other guys at my weight. And they both placed, uh, um, you know, probably top three at St. Louis Open. Then we went to Lock Haven Open, which was, and so John traveled all three of us to the Lock Haven Open as well. Um, and, and we didn't, you know, that was kind of our ranking situations. Um, and I met both those guys at the Lock Haven Open and, and uh, lost to both of them. So I, I was a good solid third, you know, I mean, I had to, I had done everything I could that month to establish myself for his, <laughs> as the third guy. Um, and to be honest, it was in December at some point, things kind of, things kind of laid low for, for a few weeks as we wrestled. Um, and, and it was about probably mid December, John just said, you got a ranking match. Um, and I tell that story my, to my team all the time because I, I, I see it year in and year out because we host the Cowboy Open at Wyoming here. And, and it's, it's always the first week in November. And that's what everybody gets geared up for. It's our home tournament. It's a big open tournament. Everybody's fired up and geared up for it. And then when things don't go right for the, the individuals that it doesn't go right for, it's kind of like, well, 
that was my chance. There goes my season. And, and it's, they throw up the white flag and it's, um, you know, so I, I, I tell that experience all the time going, if I establish myself as the solid third guy, why in the world would John come to me in the middle of December and say, you have a ranking match. Now I can only, I'm only assuming I, I've never had that conversation, but I, I assume I go because I didn't quit because I didn't lay down and just take it because I kept fighting in practice because I probably was getting the best of those guys in the workout room, but I couldn't do it when it counted. And, and John saw that and, and, you know, the coaching staff saw that. So I got another opportunity and I finally beat those guys in a ranking match. Um, and it was right before the Missouri duel. Uh, it was for the Missouri duel. So John gave me a, 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 you know, basically an opportunity to earn it. It wasn't like you're, we're going to throw you in there and see what you do. I still had to go earn it. So I, I won the ranking matches, had to beat both those guys, very close matches, one point matches, I'm sure. Um, and then I got the chance to wrestle against Missouri, which, you know, um, <laughs> good or bad, whatever you want to say, it was Sean Fry and he was the number one guy in the country and the returning runner up. And that was my first varsity match. So it was at Gallagher. Um, I went into overtime with him and, and got beat into overtime. And it was, um, it was a real mind blowing experience because here I was, I was the third string guy until that week. I went from three to one, right. You know, in a matter of, of that week um, and then went um, toe to toe with the number one guy in the country. And when we, you know, that was back when Missouri was, they only had one good guy, Yeah, <laughs> you know, they, they were not a, they were not a good team back then. Um, they were at the bottom of the big eight every year, but the, he was definitely their guy. Um, and so we crushed him as a team and and dominated them as a team and I lost but it was about me and it was weird the fans I mean after the duel tons of people coming up probably didn't even have a clue who I was or, or you know where you know what in the world who's this kid they're rolling out it so you know all, all this stuff all of a sudden it was like I went um into overtime with the number one guy and I was being heralded I mean I was everybody was, was telling me how great I did in, in a loss, right. which was, which was weird. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I remember being embarrassed going, why are you guys congratulating me? I got beat. Um, but I, it definitely, it definitely was a statement. Um, I didn't, I saw it as a loss. I saw it as a loss. I didn't see it as anything but a loss. And, and um, <laughs> I still have it to this day. My uh, the, the daily Oak Legion, you know, the old Collie, the school newspaper. Um, I was on the front page and it was, a, the article was about me, a huge picture of me. The article was about me and here we dominated the team and I was one of the only guys to lose. And it was still about me and it, and my, my roommate laminated it, um, and brought it home and he wrote on the back in a Sharpie, you know, you, you finally did it. I knew you could do it and all this stuff. And I'm like, do it. Like I got beat. I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed that the article was about me losing. And, um, I, you know, I keep that and I've kept that for 30 years because it, it was in my mind, it was where I had finally, I recognized my maturity that I'm like, I'm not like people are patting me on the back and it's making me mad. And it's, it's disturbing to me that I'm getting congratulated for losing. So it definitely was a, um, it was kind of a coming out, but yet here I was getting beat. 
my next match, Arizona State, Marcus Malika, the oh. returning national champion. And of course, we had our battles through the years, but that one wasn't a battle. He just obliterated me. Uh, I think he took me down six times to none. Um, and all my points were escapes. And it was the same move every time. And so it was, you talk about from going, okay, I just went to overtime with Sean Fry. And now I just got, you know, my butt handed to me. And so um, it was like, well, let's not get too excited yet. Right. <laughs> so I still had a ways to go, but uh, my, that was really the story of my coming out and getting in the lineup was I got in the lineup and it may have been the worst thing for me because my first several matches were just hammers that, that all of a sudden it was like, well, we got excited. He went into overtime, but maybe we shouldn't have got so excited because I, I definitely um, had a nice little losing streak going. So they leave you in after that, they pull you back out as you near the they, big eights. They left me in. Um, and we go to um, national duels, which were always in Lincoln back then. <clears throat> we go to national duels and uh, I actually had a little bit of a breakout at national duels. Um, I beat Stan Banks, an All-American from North Carolina. That was kind of my first. Um, I think my only match I lost was to Ray Brinzer at Iowa. And, and uh, it was a pretty close match, but I beat some solid guys. I think I, I only lost that one match. So I, that was my first real breakthrough. And, and, the, and the crazy thing is it was timing because, um, like I said, we had George Parker and we had Willie Thompson. Well, our 177-pounder was Travis Gittins. And so we're in Lincoln. And I, I, I won't go into too many details, but basically Travis and Willie were really best friends. And they, they kind of had a dispute while we were in Lincoln wrestling. When we got back to Stillwater, um, uh, Travis went and found Willie. And I, I don't know the details, but basically I, I do know a fight ensued and, and Travis broke his hand um, in a fight with his best friend, Willie Thompson, who was at my weight. So now Willie's, Willie's off the team after that point. Willie is gone, never comes back. George, because Travis broke his hand, George had to go up to 177. So that, that essentially bought me six weeks. It bought me six weeks of though. Now we didn't, I was the only option. Um, so I, that really what is what kind of held me in that lineup through those struggles. Uh, <laughs> so we came back and I, I went on another losing streak. So again, I had a little bit of a high and then I'm just getting beat by now. I'm not getting beat by NCAA champs or number one ring guys. I'm just getting beat by guys. I shouldn't get beat by. Um, but they didn't really have a, ch a choice. They didn't really have an option. So I, I, I had that security to stay in the lineup and I stayed in there all the way through um, the end of February. And then Travis was back. Um, Travis's hand healed. He was back in the lineup and it was during the Oklahoma state tournament. So the last weekend in February, John tells me you're going to have a ranking match for the best two out of three to see who goes to big eights. So I went through from, from basically mid-December to the end of February, I had held the spot. And then all of a sudden it was, this is two, two out of three uh, to see who goes to big eights. And so we, we, we had ranking matches at the state tournament between sessions um, because the, oh the state God. tournament was in, you know, it was in Gallagher. 
And so literally they announce, hey, stick around after the semifinals. We're going to have a ranking match, you know, for 167 pounds. So me and George Parker wrestled uh, the best two out of three during the state tournament. So was that after the Iowa duel um, that was in Stillwater, which was senior night? Yeah. Yeah. So, so did you get part? Did you get bumped up in that? Because there was some crazy maneuvering in the upper weights. They moved someone up to like right. heavyweight to wrestle well, Joel Sherrod. Yeah. So so that was um, they moved George Parker up to 190 to wrestle Sherrod, and George loses by a decision, um, which was huge. George was George was very tough. Um, there's no doubt. I, I, I didn't have any doubt then. I don't have any doubt now. I don't think very many people that knew George Parker had any doubt that he would all American that year. And that was kind of the, he was a, a pretty sure all American in that year when we needed an all American and I was, I had a losing record. So, um, you know, George was very tough. So he goes up, he bumps up, he wrestles share it. Um, he loses by decision. And then McGrew JJ bumped up to heavyweight and beat their heavyweight and really won the duel for us. And again, that was, that was another situation where Joey Wildeson, you know, had our, our 118 pounder, he, he flaked out and was gone. Um, and, and that was kind of a weird roller coaster, but yeah, that was, I, that was a crazy duel, but I didn't bump up. Um, Joe beat Pat or, uh, excuse me, Pat, that's where Pat tech Joe, Joe Williams, um, that was the loudest I ever heard Gallagher. And I was in the back warming up. So I was behind the bleachers warming up and I had my headgear on and I'm back there just, you know, moving my feet, doing some stance in motion. And it kept getting louder and kept getting louder and kept getting louder. And it, it was like deafening to then I couldn't hear anything. And so, um, I, and meaning like, I, I, I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but it's kind of like if you shoot a gun and your ears are kind of ringing, you can't really hear anything. It, it got so loud that then it just got muffled. It was like just a hum and a buzz and I couldn't. And I was like, oh, my God, like I'd never heard anything like that. Um, and then I had to go out there and, and uh, re, you know, that was I had to follow that. And um, I brought the crowd back down, got them, you know, settled down for the rest of the duel. So I did my part, you know, to, to get everybody settled back into their seats. I went out and lost to, uh, I think, Matt Neerum was who I wrestled. So what was the crowd getting loud for? <laughs> oh, I mean, Pat was just putting on takedown clinic. And, and everybody was set talking about how this, you know, which, you know, obviously Joe Williams went on to have an amazing career, but he was known then as this is, this is the guy that's going to beat Pat. This is the guy that, you know, this freshman hotshot's going to come in and knock off Pat Smith. And, and uh, it, it was, uh, you know, obviously it wasn't even close. I mean, Pat just tore him apart. Um, may have teched him in the first period or um, early in the second. It was quick. Um, and it was a takedown clinic. And, and so I'm not, I didn't see it. Yeah. I didn't see any of it. Didn't see one of the takedowns. I was in the bag just going, what is happening? Oh my God. It's so crazy loud. So yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. But like I said, you know, I, you, you can't just live on those highs. So I, I did my part to bring everybody back <laughs> down. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that I, you know, I'm, I'm from Illinois and Joe Williams is <clears throat> like godlike status to Illinoisans, And, you know, I'm the biggest fan of him, but 
you know, once I was doing research for this, I go, oh shit. In the 94 season, his first match out of red shirt, Gable, you know, cause the year before Gable had pulled McElravey late in the year and it paid off, right? He beat Abbas. And then this year he pulls Joe like late February and it backfires big time. And Joe gets like seventh, but uh, it's just like, it's amazing to see whose people's first college matches are, you know, it's always yeah. some ham- a lot of times it's a hammer, just like Pat got beat his first match against Dan Russell. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it is. I mean, I, I think about my match. Be, yeah. yeah. My first match is, is the number one guy. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it is kind of weird. How it seems like, and I, you don't see that. I don't think you see that as much now, which no. um, you don't, you know, you don't, for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem like it happens as much as it used to maybe, but it's crazy. Well, back then, every match in the Big 8 seemed like it was loaded because Nebraska was coming on. I mean, there was just some really tough Big 8 brackets back at that time. Yeah, I mean, it was, and that was back in the old the old days where top three went. You know, top three were guaranteed, um, and then you had wild cards. But, uh, you know, it was, it, it was a small tournament, but it was a – it was a beast, you know, and, and, uh, you know, just me trying to get third was, um, not likely, I guess, you know, the way you looked at it is it's probably, probably wasn't very likely that I would qualify to the NCAAs, um, you know, and, and so, uh, and, and particularly, uh, at, at, at my weight, um, Sean Fry was still ranked number one when we went into the big eights. Um, Jason Leonard was, uh, the second guy, and he was he was sixth in the country. Uh, in the country, um, and then after that, it was um, myself, Nebraska, Iowa State, and it was kind of like uh, basically a free, you know, a, a toss up who would who would pull that third spot. And at know? that point, so it was. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I was just gonna say at that point, what was the. What was the um, the mood towards chances of winning a team title at that point for you guys? Um, you know, I, I it was it was good. I mean, we we did lose the duel um, uh, in Minneapolis, but the circumstances around that, um, and 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 specifically with with Joey Wilderson being ranked second in the country and disappearing on the road, and that's what I mean, literally we go to bed at night and we wake up with a note on a pillow that says, don't find me. You know, you can't, don't try to find me. And we're in, we're in the twin cities and he's gone um, and disappears from the team. And we don't have, we didn't travel another guy. I mean, nobody knew that was coming. So we, we literally are just in that situation where we have to throw away six points at the beginning and then Nick Perler gets upset by um, Tim Harris. Uh, and that's, you know, obviously that was back when you started every duel at 118. So we start off six in the hole. And then our, and, and at the time, Nick was ranked number one. He gets upset. So we go down nine to nothing. And <clears throat> really things didn't, didn't work out well in that duel. But even after that duel, I don't think anybody was panicking. I mean, we still felt like we were the best team. Yeah. And so I, I, I think, I think we felt pretty comfortable um, at the end of that year of, of winning a team title. Well, and as you guys were leading up to the nationals, both John and Pat, when I interviewed them, 
they spoke about this story as if like they got chills talking about this. So after the big eights, you really start coming on. And John Smith is telling me about a month ago, he's like, listen, Mark Branch was beating the brakes off Pat Smith. I didn't know what I was watching. I was getting worried because Pat was losing confidence. So before we get to that story, just tell us about what your experience was like wrestling Pat during your first year and a half. Were you just taking beating after beating? Were you going even? Like, how did it go when you wrestled him at the beginning? Yeah, I would say ugly beatings, you know, um, and when I mean, I mean, Pat was relentless. Um, Pat was, uh, you know, he was brutal <clears throat> to work out with. And I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if that was just the way he was, because, you know, as you kind of get as you go through that process, when you get older, it's almost kind of like. I want to keep the young guys, the young bucks. I want, I want them to, to respect and understand that I'm the guy. Right. And it's kind of like, I want to send a message. And there's, there's a lot of that that goes on in, in college wrestling rooms. Um, there's not a lot of mentorship. And so I don't know if that was part of it or if it was just, I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't know any different. I mean, Pat was just mean. Um, he would pull your arm on your back and you know, my shoulders were, were jacked up from, from Russell and Pat, uh, he, he'd get on top of you. He'd rip your arms, you know, he'd get out on your head and pull your arms out. And I mean, it was, I don't know how I made it through without just having both my, my shoulders destroyed. It's funny you say that because when Pat was a freshman, he talks about how Chris Barnes used to just destroy him. But if he got one takedown on Chris Barnes, it was a win. And at the end of the year, he would score a takedown or two, even though he'd give up 30, so uh, now that you're saying this, I'm betting that's probably what it was. Like you might've taken Pat down a couple times and Pat gets pissed off, runs out the room and John has to look after him. And John's eyes, that's you beating him in the match, but really you probably got a couple scores on him and we're feeling good. And Pat just lost it, you know? Yeah. And, I, and he was, I mean, you could, you could, you definitely could tell Pat was stressing out at the end. Um, you know, and, and I remember that myself. I mean, I, I went through the, I, uh, as, as a coach, um, you know, Pat helped me get through that when I was a senior, when I was a senior and Pat was coaching us, um, he really helped me remember that he went through that because I was, I was doing it too. I got to the end of my senior year and I was freaking out. And if, you know, if I had a practice where <clears throat> a guy took me down and I, that I didn't think should have, I broke. And I, and, and it's funny because you said, you say that, and that's exactly, I remember leaving the room. And I remember busting out of the room and running out on the track and I was out there bawling. And I remember Pat came and found me and he was like, dude, it's, you're fine. You're going <laughs> to smash everybody. You know, he's like, you're, you're, you're going to kick everybody's ass. Like, don't worry about it. it happens to us all, you know? And I just remember him bringing me back into the room, you know? So uh, yeah, that, that very much is probably, uh, you know, you're in your own world. I mean, I'm trying to just, I'm trying to stay on the team or, or trying to figure out how to qualify for NCA. So I've got my, I mean, I'm not worried about Pat, but you could, I definitely remember him being pissed a lot, um, at punching people, <laughs> you know, and I was at the receiving end of some of those. So I remember that. And that's just, that's, that's a level of just like that, just, just stressed out and, and really you're wanting it to be over. Um, yeah. and, and that's a hard, that's a hard way to wrestle really it's a hard way to it's a hard thing to manage of i want to be done i want the season over i want to win i want to get my hand raised 
but man, I'm tired of it. I, I'm tired of practicing. I'm tired. I just want to go and do it. And, and that's a, uh, that's not the best way to enter a tournament. Well, and he said he felt that at the <clears throat> beginning of the 92, 93 season. And, and that's why he was going to go to Arizona state. Cause he didn't want a red shirt, you know? So your true freshman year, he's feeling that already fast forward another 18 months. He's really feeling the pressure then. Um, I mean, how often were people coming up to him, asking him about four titles? And- oh yeah. Daily, daily. That was what it was all about, you know? So it was, um, it, it, I can't imagine that, that level of stress that, that he felt, you know, I mean, it's, it is, I, I think, uh, very few people are in a situation in their life when they're, you know, it, it, if you probably want to get to that level, most people who face that in their life, it's about probably bigger things. Like, how am I going to feed my kids and how am I going to pay my bills? And, you know, the, the, but it's funny that you, an athlete would put that pressure that kind of same, like live or die. Like, um, but I, I, I think we do, you know, and I always say that about re- the sport of wrestling. It's such a, you, you, you make so many sacrifices that it feels like life and death and it's not. Um, and it's hard to remember that sometimes, um, you feel like, man, it, it, it you get to that point going, there's only one answer. There's only one outcome that, that is acceptable. Um, and, and there, that, that was how Pat was, right. There was only one outcome that would, that would suffice. And that's winning in a fourth and being the first to do it. I mean, nothing short of that. There's nothing that's, you have to do that. Right. And, and there's nothing, I mean, you know, you know, we felt that way. Like there is no other answer. I have to do this. So it's a good and bad thing. Yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, and like you said, everyone at the end, only gold will do. And at that point, even when you win, it's not even close to the same level of satisfaction. It's more relief um, than actual bliss and enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I felt that after my career, I felt that relief and I was, I was glad it was over, but it wasn't, I mean, the difference between 94 and 97 uh, of that, the, the experience, the feeling, the joy, everything it was night and day. I mean, those two years, there's not, they can't even, they can't even compare. Um, and, and so I, I mean, I was just, I wanted it over. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, and, and it probably kept me from wrestling further. Um, and I think that probably kept, um, Pat from going deeper into a international career. No question. So I, I, I think, you know, his, his competitive, spirit was so great but it it was a flame that burned so bright that it just burned itself out you know and and uh it's it's tough man it's a, it's it's a huge sacrifice it is and it like you said wrestling it when you're in it it's it's live you know life or death and a lot of people can never get past that you know i've interviewed a lot of people and about half of them are in that camp where they just can't let it go and they've never been able to move on past age 21 and that's the highlight of their life and other people it's not that way but the one thing i wanted to hit on before we let you go here is 94 nationals so all this is building you guys travel out to north carolina what do you remember of like when i say the 94 nationals what memories come into your mind about like what the arena looked like and what was the venue and kind of the atmosphere out there for you guys yeah i mean it was obviously the biggest arena i've been in i i've never been to an ncaa wrestling tournament um, and, and at that time, I mean, I remember watching some, 
I remember watching Todd Chesbro, um, you know, Chris Barnes. I remember watching like when, when NCAs were in Oklahoma in like 89 or 90, I remember watching that tournament. I, I, we just didn't have access. I didn't have access. So I really, and when I say that, I, I remember it was probably locally aired in Oklahoma and I, we had an antenna because I remember watching it was so fuzzy. I could hardly see what was going on. So that this was obviously like the biggest um, arena venue uh, moment in my wrestling career. And, and so, yeah, it was, it was uh, really amazing. And it was, it was kind of like, I, 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 you hear about people being a part of the Olympics and they go to the like opening ceremonies and they're, and you see them, they're walking around when they show that you see the American athletes, they're filming everything now on their phone. And that's how I felt, except we didn't have phones. Right. <laughs> but I just was just like taking it all in and just like, wow, this is, this is the coolest thing. And that's what I'm saying. That experience in 94, everything was, everything was, you know, from the ground floor up, like, I was at the ground floor and all the possibilities that weekend were just right there waiting for me. Whereas 97, I'm, I'm at the top floor going, I have a long ways I could fall. Um, you know? And so it was, it was, it was such a different deal, but everything was just so like free and, and uh, exciting for me. <clears throat> and so it was, it was really cool. Now it, it obviously even once that tournament started, um, and once I got my first win, then it became like ecstasy, you know, it was yeah. just like, it, it was, um, a fantasy. It was really, um, you know, a, a dream to me. I was like, is this real? Is this reality? Am I dreaming all this? I mean, it, it became really kind of strange, but yeah, it was, a, it was a neat, um, fun experience. And, you know, I remember, um, I, I remember how, <clears throat> you know, you didn't have the brackets. You didn't have the brackets like four days out. You didn't have the brackets until, um, weigh-ins. And, <laughs> and so we weighed in the night before, and that was back when we did day before weigh-ins. <clears throat> so we weighed in and then they drew the brackets out. And so we met in the room the night before the tournament. We, we, you know, we met in the hotel and John's basically going bracket for bracket. Okay. Here, 126, Nick, you're the number one seed. You got so-and-so from Bloomsburg. I mean, who knows, right? And then he just goes up, you know, 134, 142. He's handing, and he's literally handing brackets and talking about who are first-round matchups. And he gets to me, you know, <clears throat> he goes, hey, good draw. And I'm like, sweet. And he's like, you got the number two seed. And I'm like, I was like, oh, I thought maybe a good draw meant I was, I had another unseated guy. Uh, <laughs> like, what do you mean good draw? And his exact words were, um, that was the last year where you had to, you, you had to be pulled into the bracket. You had to be pulled through the backside. And so he said, you know, good news is this guy's going to pull you through and you'll get at least two matches in. And he goes, but. He goes, I'm going to tell you right now, this is a good matchup for you. You can beat this guy. Um, and, and right then and there, and I did know it. And, and you talk about the battles with pad. I mean, if you want to hang your hat on anything and that, and that I didn't have anything to hang my hat on, except for I'm competing with Pat Smith every day. And <clears throat> Pat was like my, you know, a hero of mine right then. And, and I was like, 
this guy's the best wrestler in the country pound for pound weight you know he's he's making history and this is a guy i get to train with so when i go to this tournament everybody in that bracket is is less than pat and that's how i kind of saw everything of going my workouts my practices are more challenging and harder than this tournament's going to be and so i wasn't intimidated or scared of the tournament and so even even when i got my matchup i wasn't nervous intimidated or scared i was like pat would kill I, I, I equated everything to Pat. I'm like, Pat would kill this guy. And so I'm like, so I have, I, I can go in and compete with him because I can compete with Pat and Pat would go kill this guy. So in my mind, I, I, I made my own little, whatever made sense in my head to go, I, I, I'm okay. And I can compete with every guy in this weight. And I felt that way. I really truly felt like I could compete and beat every guy in that bracket. I just needed, you know, one that that first guy get him out of the way and move on to the next and Keep so once, it simple once you were in there you guys are battling you're you're rifling off wins and the team race starts to narrow penn state kind of falls off but then perler loses for you guys so i was thinking maybe they're back in and then you guys really pull ahead by the time saturday morning came was the team title over i don't think it was i don't think it was technically over um you know, and I do know, obviously, my tournament made it made a huge difference. And and uh, and you're right. You know, Nick Nick didn't have the tournament that we all thought he was going to have. Um, <clears throat> he had had a great season. I, you know, I think he only lost that one match to Harris. But anyway, um, you know, he he him getting upset. We didn't drop as a team because I my performance was so unexpected that it pulled us right where we were wanting to be right so we we didn't lose track we didn't right. lose ground and so everybody was we were still on track right everything was still on track so um yeah i, I don't think it was technically over saturday morning but i do think because we had uh, us three in the finals that we were where we wanted to be and all three all two other guys <laughs> alan and pat they both mentioned this i want to see if you remember they said that morning you guys all went to waffle house for breakfast <laughs> And that you got a, a bacon cheeseburger in, and uh, Alan's like, man, you shouldn't be eating that. And Pat's like, this is what he's ate all year, Alan. He'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember getting made fun of. And I remember even like afterwards, I got like a um, bowl of ice cream and put, uh, you know, M&Ms on it or whatever. And they were just like, oh, what do you, that's the, why would you eat that? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I didn't know there was no <laughs> diet. Uh, but yeah, exactly right. And I remember Mark Perry, I think Mark, Mark took us to, to, uh, breakfast, but I remember him like, you don't change a thing. You eat what you eat. Your body's used to it, you know? <laughs> and, uh, I, I, you know, I found that out later on. I, I, you, you, you mess with your routine. It's, I had a weird routine that after Wayne's I would drink dark soda. I would drink like a Coke or a Dr. <laughs> Pepper. Um, and it settled my stomach and I would try, if I drank a juice or Gatorade, I would get, you know, diarrhea, I would just get upset stomach. So you find some little things that make you comfortable. And to be honest, I had never put thought into it. It was just, you know, I, I was a junk food. I was a junk food junkie. I really <laughs> was. I slept in my dorm. Um, and, and in my apartment, I slept with a mini fridge next to my bed that always was full of like, sam you know walmart cola right like i had sam's cola or uh their version of mountain dew you know mountain lightning 
Yeah. And I remember like, I, you know, when you're, when I was cutting weight, I'd wake up in the middle of the night, you know, how you wake up and you're just like, Oh, I'm so thirsty. I would crack, I, I would crack open a Sam's Cola and just smash it. I'd drink the whole thing and then go back to bed. Wow. Um, I had bad, bad, bad nutritional habits, but th- those guys, you know, I remember them arguing, well, you're, what are you doing? Why would you eat that? And then, yeah, the other one going, cause that's what he always eats. <laughs> like <laughs> let him do his thing, man. He's here. <laughs> and it was so cool to be like with those guys. Uh, I hadn't really connected. Right. I was, I was a freshman. They were seniors. They were having great seasons. I was having a miserable season. I hadn't really got a chance to well, here at the, is at the end of the season, I was getting an opportunity to connect with those two guys for kind of the first time. I was like, man, I'm rubbing shoulders with the big boys. It was, it was pretty um, exciting for me. Well, I was going to say you're sitting there with two of the greatest college wrestlers ever. If it weren't for Tom Brands, Alan Freed would have, you know, obviously won two. Then he, you know, every time he was at the tournament, he was in the finals, right? And he only lost basically one dude five times, Pat Smith, in the finals every single time. So it's like, you couldn't be sitting there with two better guys. And then when you walk into the finals that night, you're walking in with Mark Perry and John Smith. You had to be feeling real good. Yeah. I mean, I remember when we, when we went back to the arena and, uh, and that was the first time I saw the elevated stage and that freaked me out. That was the first time I was like, Oh my God, we were, we got to wrestle up on that thing. And I'm like, looking, I'm like, what if you fall off? Like I've never, I had never seen wrestling on an elevated stage. And so it was like, it was really intimidating to me because I mean, I remember walking straight up to it, looking around going, how much rooms up here? Like, what if I fall off? And, uh, you know, just being worried about that. But it was, it was, um, it was kind of like that neat, you know, we walk into the arena, nobody's really there except for a few workers or whatever. And it was just us three. We kind of walk in there and, you know, I definitely like felt a strut, right? Like, man, this is cool. We're going to win a national title. I'm hanging out with Pat Smith and Alan Freed. I'm like, who knew two days ago when we got here, like who, like, this is the craziest thing in the world. I remember calling my college roommate, calling my roommate from a payphone after the semifinals. And, you know, you, you, you know, you had to walk up and you had to punch in the, you know, star, star one, zero star. And, you know, you had to punch in that 50 digit code. I'm calling you the partner. I'm like, I won. <laughs> you know, and we're like, Oh my God. It, it was just like, it, it was out of body experience. Like I just never, um, I never expected all that stuff to happen that weekend. So yeah, we walk in the arena. It was like, there was no music playing, I'm sure. But in my head, there was the coolest song playing <laughs> as we were walking in. We were probably all strutting, walking like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it was it was um, it was, you know, that was that once in a lifetime experience that in sports, I knew when that happened, I'd never have that again. You know, it was like, I'll never I'll never have this feeling again. Um, what memory do you have of Pat's Mats that mat that night at Finney? um just you know i I, obviously i'm in the back coming out next um and and getting warmed up and getting ready uh and and you know so i'm i'm kind of in the tunnel when the end of the match happens and and uh it was motivating it was motivating that was the first time i felt any little bit of pressure and the only reason was alan did his job pat just made history I got to come through. 
I got to come through, you know, I, I have to, that was the only, that was the first time I felt like I got to do this. Um, and instead of just being like, man, this is awesome. This is a great experience. Uh, I put a little bit of pressure going, I don't be the guy that loses, you know, we do. And, and by that point, um, I think, you know, by Pat's victory, we definitely had the title wrapped up. And so it, we had the thing won. It was like, I, I, I can just ruin the night. That's, that's the only thing I can do here. Don't ruin the night. Don't ruin everything. This is perfect. Um, and so I did step out there going, uh, and I was, you know, like I was inspired, obviously very inspired with Pat winning and, and, and it made me feel like, Hey, I got to go do this for Pat because this is his night. Like this is, this is special for our fans and I don't want to be a downer. Yeah. Um, so I, I felt like I needed to go out and perform. That's awesome. Two last quick questions. The first is what'd you guys do that night after you won? After party. Um, and yeah, it was, it was crazy because I just remember everybody was like, I was a, was I 19 or was I still 18? I was still, no, I was 19. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember we, 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 we had our after party at a hotel bar and like, I didn't know anybody like all these fans coming up, like, ah, you know, screaming, grabbing me, shaking me. And I'm like, I don't know who you are. Um, and, and so it was like everybody, I, it was just so everybody was a stranger, but everybody was my best friend. And they're like, here, have a beer. And I'm like, I, I, I'm 19, man. Like I can't, I can't drink. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was, it was fun. Now the weird thing is Pat and I were, were late to the party because we had to do the drug test after the finals and neither one of us could pee. And it was, it was me and Pat and, and basically Carrie McCoy because he was the heavyweight. So me and Pat were in the back and, we, we couldn't pee. We were, they were like these old guys, you know, they're like, you gotta, you gotta pee. We can't leave. So I'm like slamming waters and orange juices and everything they had They had ice chest back there. I'm trying to drink as much as I can. I can't pee to save the life of me. I literally get in the shower to try to trigger that. <laughs> so I'm in the shower with the drug guy. He's got his cup standing there in case it triggers. I can, I, I mean, so I'm back there the whole time. And then we win the title and we're like, and I, thankfully Pat was there. I wouldn't have been out there for the title because they said, you can't leave. And I was like, okay, I can't leave. Pat's like, screw you guys. We just won the title. We're leaving. And so like, Pat's like, let's go. And I'm like, okay. And the guys were like, you can't, you can't leave. And they're like, they followed us out there. <clears throat> so they're standing right there as we got the team trophy. And then as soon as we got the team trophy and they awarded us, um, they took me and Pat right back. And so the rest of the, everybody leaves. And so it's just me and Pat, Kerry McCoy. Finally, we were able to pee. And uh, Chris Gambrell, who was our manager at the time, is like, let's go. So it was just us three. We jump in a van. He's like, everybody's at the party over at the, ho you know, whatever hotel we're at. I'm pretty sure it was like a 10-minute drive. We had to stop three times on the highway to pee. I <laughs> I was, I, we had drank so much. We were like, Oh my God, <laughs> like we didn't make it two minutes out of the parking lot. It was like, I can't hold it. So we were like, pull over again, pull over again. And me and Pat are both just, you know, peeing all the way to the, to the after party. So, um, you know, and then when we got there, the party was in full swing. 
I would say we were at least probably half an hour after everybody at least. So yeah, we just kind of walked in and it was like, yay, you know, and like I said, everybody was my best friend. And I'm like, I've never seen you in my life. God, that's <laughs> so awesome. It was, it was cool. Last question for you, Mr. Branches. Talk about Pat's impact on the state of Arkansas as we wind this thing down here. Yeah, obviously. When I when I um, first got to uh, Laramie in 2008, 2009, I tried to hire Pat. You know, I, I, I'd say I tried as hard as I could. And he's like, I'm going to give this thing a go. I'm going to stay here and this is you know, a little more security than, and I'm like, security, what kind of security you got? It's Arkansas. There is no wrestling there. Like, <laughs> I, and, and really, I remember like, I didn't want to be pushy, but I'm like, dude, you're, you're coaching a club in Arkansas where there isn't wrestling. This is a chance to go um, and, and coach back in the D one, you know, come back to division one wrestling. I, I, I'd love, you know, I wanted to build that program with Pat, Pat and I were best friends and, and, and neighbors, you know, for years. And so, um, you know, he's like, nah, I, I'm going to stick it out here. And I just remember going, man, you just like, in my, that's how far he's come because literally I'm like, why would you stay? There is no wrestling in Arkansas. You have a guy that wants to start a club. Great. I mean, great for you, but why would you pass up a chance to come be an assistant here and, and get back in division one wrestling. And, you know, I, I didn't, I said that as nicely as I could, meaning they're like, man, this is, you're, you're cut out to be, you're a great college coach. You're an amazing college coach. Mm -hmm. Are you sure you want to do a club and now look at Arkansas wrestling, right? I mean, they're, they're turning out division one wrestlers, um, the, the amount of programs they built in that state. And, and obviously Greg Hatcher who brought Pat is, <laughs> has had made a huge impact on wrestling. Um, but he, he doesn't do that without bringing in Pat Smith and, and that, that state doesn't do what it's done. Um, and it's amazing to see it's, it's really, uh, I think for the sport of wrestling, it's so encouraging to go, you take a state that has no history of wrestling, no business. I have, I have high school. Um, I have an old high school teammate, state champion of mine, that's over there coaching. I, I mean, Arkansas. Uh, one of my college teammates from Oklahoma State's over there coaching. Ronnie Delk's over there coaching. You know, wrestled at Oklahoma State and was coaching at Perry. I mean, there's people, high level guys, coaches that are that are flocking to Arkansas, and you see in a matter of ten years what they've done. It's encouraging to go. Why not do it? everywhere right it's 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 pretty cool and and uh um why you know what a better guy you know there's not a better guy to do it around you know but and, and and pat smith going to arkansas into a state that doesn't have any idea what wrestling is well welcome to wrestling 101 right <laughs> pat smith you you get to start with the best and it's not uh, even just the good. high school numbers, though, to your point. It's colleges. There's more college programs there than there is Illinois. And we're talking about a hotbed of wrestling versus a state that was never even at Fargo 10 years ago. It's incredible. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing to see what can be accomplished with, um, you know, with a vision and, yeah. uh, and the right people, you know. And, and uh, you know, Pat, I think Pat gave legitimacy to something that had – no basis for legitimacy right like we have no basis to to be legitimate but it's like yeah we do we got pat smith um right. why not 
you know, and within a few years, all of a sudden they got guys in Fargo, small group, all of a sudden they got a guy on the stand. Um, now it's, now it's year in and year out. So pretty special. He made the right choice, right? <laughs> as much as I would have loved to have him in Wyoming with me, um, what he did and what he's done here at, at, for the sport is, has made more of an impact than he could have made in any college wrestling room. For sure. Coach Branch, this has been an honor. Uh, awesome conversation. You, you hit on everything I was hoping for. Anything you'd like to add before we hop off here? No, I can't think of anything, Ryan. Appreciate it. All right, man. Thank you very much. Take care. Yeah, you too. Have a good Thanksgiving. You too. Hey guys, if you want to help us spread the word, please rate the episode and share it with your friends. The Smiths was written and directed by Ryan Warner. Executive producers include USA Wrestling and the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. A special thank you to the entire Smith family, Rich Bender and Leroy Smith. Etched in Stone is an exclusive production of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame and USA Wrestling. Download your free souvenir book of any of the Etched in Stone stories produced at nwhof.org. The storybook includes the written story and is filled with pictures and videos of their live matches. And while you're on the website, take a deeper dive into the profiles of the 179 distinguished members inducted into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame.